Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Jean Bereson. And I'm Khadija Booth Watkins. Uh, well, this is our last episode of the season. Oh. Uh, I know. And we won't be back again until the fall. So we wanted to focus on an issue that many families struggle with, and that is sleep. And send you off this summer with some helpful tips. So, you know, when I talk to the medical students um, about pediatrics and child psychiatry, I always say there are two things that you can't make your kids do. You can't make them eat and you can't make them sleep. Um, needless to say, many parents and caregivers are concerned about sleep problems with their kids. And we know that the getting proper amount of restful sleep is really important for healthy growth and development, both for their physical health and their mental health. We also know that sleep challenges are common and that they can be caused both by medical and by psychiatric problems. And today, we have a very special guest and an old friend who I think will help us about this, Dr. Bernard Kinane. And Dr. Kinane is director of the sleep program and cardiopulmonary program at the Massachusetts General Hospital. And he's chief of the pulmonary unit, associate chief for education, and a superb pulmonary specialist. And he's probably one of the smartest doctors that I have ever met in my 40 years at MGH. <laughs> um, uh, he's blushing as we say this. Welcome, Bernard. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you flatter me. I'm not sure it was deserved. I'm not sure it was deserved. I'm not sure it was deserved. Uh, but before we get started, we'll have our weekly check-in. So how's this week been for you, Khadijah? I have been absolutely loving the warm weather. I'm so excited for spring to be here. The Boston winter has been brutal, at least for me, coming from New York. And I know it's probably not that much colder, but it, it to me it was a significant difference. So I'm just loving the weather. <laughs> How about you? Well, it um I can't say that I love I I love the weather, but but I have it, it, you know, it's 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 there's just a lot of work to do. I mean, I've got a new puppy, um, uh, and I've got gardening. And, you know, as much as I, I have a love-hate relationship with gardening, um, i gotta put, I got to move things around. I've got to clean things up. You know, I've got to fight the battle with critters. I, I caught a possum the other day. I, there was a woodchuck in the yard. I don't, I don't, I don't destroy them. My cat, my cat does that, but, but, um, it's been good to get outside and move around. And how about you, Bernard? How's this week been for you? It's been a good week. I'm with you on the beautiful weather. I'm with you <laughs> in the beautiful weather. I am a gardener. This, the only thing you didn't say about me, I'm a farmer's son. So uh, so I like gardening. So it's how I grew up uh, in rural Ireland. I learned to garden. And I had one of the um, pleasures in life happen to me. So I have in our we have a home in the Berkshires, but there is which we call a garden club out there, which I don't belong to. But I entered my garden for spring gardening, and we came third. So we, I was so proud of myself. Uh, oh, wow. And wow. what made me feel so good about it was uh, everybody else had a professional gardener. So I guess I'm my own professional gardener. So, but well, I am... Well, What's yeah, in your you, garden? Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you grow? Oh, I grow, it's, it's mainly getting at the tulips and how you stage flowers, you know, to come out one after the other when one dies and ones are too high. And, you know, uh, it's a little bit of knowing what comes up 
and knowing what the critters won't eat. And um, and it, it's it's wonderful. It's 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 good because it's kind of um, we sit. You have to sit back and okay, that flower wouldn't work there. This flower wouldn't work there. My wife always tells me I put them down the wrong way, and she's usually right. Uh, she's usually right. She's usually <laughs> so it's, per, right. it's per, perennials. It's perennials, exactly. I do perennials. I do I tulips. I love tulips. Uh, I love the daffodils because mainly to get spring get spring i get it up and going you know it's good to see the spring it's off i would have shown you a picture of it if it, it wasn't just off but, oh, that's but, great wow. it's, it's well, lots of work but i'm a perfectionist in the garden sorry just like yeah. uh, so uh let's get started um you know uh before we talk about common sleep orders in general disorders in general what what sleep problems have you noticed uh, during the COVID period? Well, I think the thing we noticed most was people not having regular sleep habits, going to bed later, not having to get up. And this was from adolescents all to its little ones. So if you don't have to get up, resume school until later, uh, you go to bed later. And we've just seen a shifting of people uh, doing that. So the... Uh, rigid time to bed for kids has disappeared a little bit, has disappeared a little because you don't have to get up in the morning. Why would you? So the uh, Saturday, Sunday schedule has uh, permeated itself into the week. So we've seen a lot of that. And then, um, uh, so lack of skate schedule. And then, and then when kids are at home during the day, during school, and they allow them to take naps, which is not the best thing when you're over five or six because uh, you won't go to bed till later, so you exacerbate a problem. So generally, that's the number one thing we see. The the other things that we normally would see, we see at the same rate. And we see a lot of anxiety in teenagers. It's, you know, a lot of it is anxiety about getting COVID, anxiety about getting the vaccine, anxiety about what they see in the news and um, the minute news. So it's a lot of anxiety, which leads to insomnia. So we do see a lot of that. Anxiety related to 24-7 news reports um, and trying to compartmentalize what you need to know about COVID and not exacerbate it is, uh, is a pretty important trick. Pretty important trick. And how about in general, um, in pediatrics, what, what are the most common sleep problems that, 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 that you come upon? Well, the first one, it's by far the most common is obstructive apnea. And generally that's from big tonsils. And it basically what happens is when the kid comes, when the kid comes and the kid, which call snores all night, just like an adult and doesn't get restful sleep. And they perform poorly in school and they want to fall asleep during the day. So that's by far the most common. Now, thankfully, in pediatrics, it's easy to treat. Now, if it was in adults, we'd put them all on CPAP machines and doing fancy surgeries. But kids, uh, it's, most of the time, it's cured by taking out tonsils and adenoids. So it, it's a curative disease. But it causes about 20% of kids with attention deficit disorder. So, so when kids don't have focus in school, we always look for obstructive apnea. Now, the other stuff that we see quite a bit, um, the mainly insomnia in babies. 
And it's usually the type of insomnia, it's, it's behavioral in many ways, in little ones, because they just don't set a habit early on. And uh, it's just a matter of setting habits and how you get the setting habits. So these are two-year-olds who won't fall asleep for um, unless somebody lies in bed with them for many hours and they wake up many times during the night and have to get out of bed. So a lot of that is just setting the rules a little bit. Uh, so we we see now we see more of this now because the grandparents are not involved as much as they used to. So the lack of uh, huge families thereby, you know, to um, enforce the rules has been, and we see it now. It's a particular problem in the modern world. In the old world, it's you wouldn't see it very much. You really wouldn't see it very much with grandparents and great grandparents around, and and the um, it's it's been it's quite there. And then we see at the other end of the spectrum is, um, as I was saying earlier, is teenagers who want to go to bed at 3 a.m. and get up at 1 p.m., which is normal in many teenagers, but doesn't suit the world. So we see a lot of that. We see a lot of that. Now, the stuff, because we're here in Boston, we see a lot of autism and autism related sleep disorders and um, it is probably the earliest sign of autism uh, and basically what happens is we see a lot of kids with autism with sleep problems and uh, children with autism or autism spectrum disorder uh, only need some of them only need four hours sleep a night and that disrupts the whole family so we that's a big problem for us so those are the big core areas that we see a lot of but why are they usually discovered? Do, do parents and caregivers usually recognize as a problem and reach out to a pediatrician, or is there some other way in which they kind of identify that there's a problem and, and reach out to someone else? Well, generally it's true to pediatrician, but in the modern connected world, they know already. They know already. They're, they're already asking for help. Now, say for example, um, and we see it, kids not performing well at school. They bring it to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, I don't think he's sleeping right. He snores like a spider. We see quite a bit of that. And you can make a bit of a difference there. Now, the other things we see is the um, the insomniacs, be it babies, or um, the babies not sleeping at night. And the parents don't sleep. They're uptight. You know, they're very anxious all the time. And so because they haven't slept in three years. So, so the parents recognize that this is not normal and their friends kids don't have this and they so it's it's parents are good parents are good advocates for their kids it's actually good when they identify the problem for the walking door because they're committed to getting a good outcome so we actually enjoy when they've actually sought it out themselves rather than the pediatrician points it out to them because they're committed to the whatever program we're embarking on you mentioned poor concentration in school other what are the other consequences of kids not getting enough sleep? Well, it's, it's mainly concentration in school and napping in the afternoon and not able to get schoolwork done and irritable and irritable. Now, it's not like with like in adults where you fall asleep at the wheel. They are the opposite. They get irritable. And we don't know why kids are irritable when they get a lack of sleep. We are, but we generally go to sleep. They'll get up and run around all day. So it's mainly the irritability you see 
and their disruptive, they get disruptive behavior, and uh, it can be it's a, it's a challenge to be honest. So we uh, we we look out for those whenever we see somebody. For example, if we say somebody's snoring, and we say snoring associated with daytime symptoms, it's usually where we click the box, and uh, those ones we pay particular attention to because. Um, because you know their performance is way off at school, and so we, we pay attention to those. Now the other snorers who are doing very very well, uh, we're doing very well, getting A's in school, and you know, uh, those we treat differently. We do say no daytime symptoms, and we're less urgent about it. But those we um, we're looking forty years down the road, and when they're forty years of age. Because if you snore when you're a kid, you're going to have very severe obstructive apnea when you're 40 old and put a little bit of weight on. So, um, so we're we're there. We're more in the preventative mode, and we say, all right, you're 13 year old snores, but you're doing fine. We might want to do something about it now. So we do a lot of preventative stuff. You mentioned some of the things that kind of are causes for the sleep problems, like the shifted sleep schedule, uh, um, the naps and anxiety. Are there other things that that um, cause sleep problems, like some medications or medical problems, or maybe some kids who still struggle with bedwetting? Are there other common things? No, it basically, um, the kids are so different from adults. Um, it's It's rarely the medication. And um, it's rarely medication. Now, the only times I'll give you good examples when we see it, when uh, a child is on uh, Ritalin for attention deficit disorder, they don't sleep at night. If they're on depression, they don't get enough. And if they're on SSRI, they would get more uh, uh, less REM, deep REM sleep. So that's when you feel rejuvenated and do better in the morning. So we just uh, we just don't see that very much in pediatrics to be honest we go looking for it but never find it never 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 find it very much the most the most common reasons we find sleep problems are in kids are you know say for example bedwetting is a really good example some kids train very early and some don't so it's a it's a huge long tail to that some people won't uh it will be wet until they're 10 or 12. So what you're trying to do is just to advance, um, advance their, their natural development in that area. So, so basically, we, we don't see much medication problems. We don't, but we do see on the other end, the anxieties. The, um, we see the anxieties. We see too much video games late at night. And we do the big, Honestly, the biggest uh, thing in teenagers and college kids is uh, playing video games late at night. And I always wondered why they did it. It didn't make any sense to me. So they can play the guys in South Korea or Japan. They get up and play these guys overseas. And it remains the number of people that get up and do this. Um, the um, So it's amazing. It's the... It's the interconnectivity of those video games. And I don't think it's the video game itself sometimes, but you connecting with somebody who was already up and they're all playing video games together. So they keep going till three or four. So I think video games and the connectivity of video games is a really a big issue. It's a really big issue and trying to embargo video games. And the, the you know, most of us say, you know, the, uh, the old video games that 
the old Ataris that people, they're not really a big problem because they're not connected to the internet. The ones that are connected to the internet are the real problem because they, uh, you can play with your fellow insomniacs. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, so you self-propagate yourself. And then most of these games, when you get very good, when you get really very, very good at them, go on for a number of hours. And uh, so if you start at midnight, you could still be there at four o'clock. And so, so you have to have to understand where the teenagers are at and teenagers at, but video games is a big challenge. It's really a big challenge for us. Now, in, in my clinical practice, I'm often asked, uh, well, I have a, a bunch of kids that, 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 that do that um, and college students. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and, but parents ask, isn't it the blue light of the screen that actually keeps the kids awake? Uh, what, 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 you know, because they're worried that, um, and you, you, read, you see a lot on the internet about that, about the blue light, of the, the screen keeping kids up. Is, that, is, is there any truth to that? 10%, as I always say, and it's 10%. The rest of it is because your mind's active and playing these games. Um, you know, um, the interesting thing, you know, when the old fashioned approach is to read a book and which probably seats mind's not active, you're calming it down. It's the opposite. Um, the, so it's a very much, um, it's stimulating the night, mind late at night, um, stimulating the night. Now, admittedly, teenagers do want to go to bed at 1 a.m. naturally. Um, they want to get away, but that's dealable with. But playing video games that extends that period of time makes the challenge even worse. So, so yes, no, um, and to your point, the video game playing has really gone up with COVID. Um, so, so the screen's marginally useful. I don't think there's a high tech problem uh, solution to this old fashioned problem to be honest uh, and you know like we all know if if you uh, have an active mind going to bed you know you know then you, you know you don't you have insomnia and we're all the same uh, that's we're all the same so having an active mind going to bed or if you stay up watch the new england patriots win or lose not such a good idea on monday night football is not such a good idea can you sleep no, so, and we all know this. It's um, it's human nature. It's human nature. So, so, what are some tips or, or techniques that parents can use at home to help their kids who have some sleep disorder or trouble sleeping? Well, the teenagers, um, you really do have to turn the video games off. You do have an embargo, but the embargo has to be reasonable uh, because if it's too extreme, then it doesn't work. To be honest, um, you know, is you. Midnight is a lot better than 3 a.m. It's, it's the way I, I go. Um, it's much more enforceable. So you have to see where they're coming from. Now, whenever we try to change behavior and sleep, you won't change it overnight. You won't change it overnight. Uh, so you have to come back in weeks. So say, for example, you really are going to bed at 4 a.m. It's going to be hard to say tomorrow you're going to bed at midnight. It's just not going to be that way. Because our brain, I even be amazed how your brain gets used to it. You know, like uh, all of us notice, you know, if you go to the West Coast for a week, and once you're over a week on the West Coast, you come back and go, oh, my brain's still in West Coast time, you know. So it's the same way with video games, you know. You're on video game time. So uh, you have to shift it very, very gradually. You have to shift it very, very gradually. There are tricks that help you. Is uh, which call light in the morning. Just remember, light in the morning and melatonin at night can shift you. But 
most people don't want to do is use melatonin, but the best trick is light in the morning because if the light's coming in the window, then you would call uh, your brain sense it's time to get up. Even though it may be delayed, it is actually a good idea. So um, light in the morning. Now we have artificial ways of giving it, but uh, the best way at this time of year, no doubt, is just uh, it's coming in the window here. So to make a long story short, that's what I would uh, say is light in the morning and reasonable schedules and shift it very, very slowly. Shift it very, very slowly. So I guess we should take down the blackout curtains. We should take Blood down the blackout, blackout curtains. curtains. Exactly. Uh, yeah, just tell them wartime England's over. Uh, wartime England's over. Right up to, exactly, yeah. And, and uh, are there other tips, like for adults, for example, we say, you know, no caffeine after three, no naps in the afternoon, you know, to help establish sleep hygiene. Are there similar kinds of techniques that parents should encourage for their children to have Good sleep habits, good sleep hygiene. It's it's the same, Gene. It's just the caffeine's hidden in different things. Um, it's hidden in different things. Um, now, and, and there's been a shift towards a lot of. Um, um, there's been a shift uh, what kids drink, uh, and it become somewhat healthier over the COVID. It's somewhat healthier. Diet Coke and Coke and uh, Diet and Pepsi are not used as much, and. Um, and Dr. Pepper is actually, Dr. Pepper is still used a lot by video gamers um, who want to play. It is used a lot by video gamers. And you, you, you specifically have to ask people, are you using Dr. Pepper? Um, because they don't see that as, you know, soda. They don't is, see that, that is, is Dr. Pepper uh, stronger than Mountain Dew? Now, in a, in Mountain Dew, uh, they, they don't. They they will not tell you about Mountain Dew. Uh, <laughs> they will not tell you about Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is well. Honestly, Mountain Dew is relatively hard to get here in the Northeast. Yeah, I did. I did look for it one day, and I said I couldn't find it. Uh, I couldn't find it. Uh, we're showing our age when we understand. Remember Mountain Dew for study for exams. Uh, well, now there's Monster, and there's all these these high energy, you know, Red Bull. You can get. Red oh Bull. yes. You oh yeah. And then, you know, and you always, um, uh, you know, and, and even when you, you think about coffee in the morning, you know, even if you go to, if you go to Starbucks, they, they ask you, how many shots do you want? And, you know, and that just would become a caffeine age. Uh, would become a caffeine age. So the teenagers do drink a lot of coffee in the morning, actually. It is swinging back. Uh, and it's mainly because of marketing to that age group. So we do see a lot of the Starbucks, the Dunkin' Donuts. Now, the other thing we do see is um, more pre-COVID than we see now. And you know it from ourselves, you know, like uh, you go down to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning on the way to work and, um, you know, that's how you get breakfast. And how do you get breakfast? Well, you get coffee. And um, so we've seen a lot of, it's not the oatmeal and orange juice anymore. Uh, so uh, we don't get that anymore. So, so there's a lot of people on the run including parents to work, trying to get out, get everybody going. So there is a lot of marketing forces there. But we've seen a swing back in coffee usage mm -hmm. in teenagers. So one other question that comes up in my practice a lot is uh, for the kids who are sleep deprived, whether they're staying up late to play video games or they're staying up late to um, study for exams and pulling all-nighters, and um, uh, the question always comes up, if, if, if a kid or a young adult um, is sleep deprived, can they make up 
the extra sleep by kind of like sleeping longer on weekends or making it up at other times? The the answer to that is is yes, actually. Um, we've known for it for a long time. And we tend not to want to say it because it breaks the habit of going to bed at a regular time. So, so yes, it does. And we all know about a catch up from sleep deprivation. And that it's very effective, actually. It's very, very effective. Uh, it gets you back to normal pretty quickly. You can return to, you can you can gain your previous energy uh, within two nights without any trouble. Now, you know this person yourself, and uh, what happens is, um, so if you've been sleep deprived and you go and, uh, and you go to bed and you wake up the following morning, you feel, oh, I really slept last night. You know, you wake up and you feel, oh, uh, it's so different. You say, oh, and. And it is not a combination of, of I had to pull an all-nighter. Yes, I had to pull an all, but I was also worried about the exam. Uh, I was also worried about the exam. So there's two things playing here. I pulled, I'd stay up till 3 a.m. to study, and then I was so anxious about it, I didn't really sleep for the next four hours that I was supposed to be in bed. You know, So a lot of it is that. So yes, you can make it up on weekends, and we see a lot of this. We What we do is we allow it, for example, we you have the big thing you have to say when we're dealing with parents is it has to be sustainable whatever you do it has to be reasonable because it was totally unreasonable and you know the only place that works is in military camps but it's just not going to work with us you know so um, and dealing with teenagers as and kids is always a negotiation and my wife says it's not a democracy but we'll add uh, Rearing kids is not a democracy. Uh, so, uh, uh, but it's it's a bit of, um, but there is a bit of give and take to it. There is definitely a bit of give and take to it. And so, what we say is this: so, for example, if you have a teenager just going to bed at which call, um, you know, one o'clock in the morning because can't get the homework done, um, we we don't like that. But if that's the reality that we have to deal with, and then we deal with it and say, all right, then do catch up time on the weekends. We do. We try to deal with the reality of the situation. Now, some people, honestly, um, it's also dealing with the person in front of you. Some people take longer to do homework than others to get the same grade. So you're trying to deal with each child as an individual and you say, okay, I get why you're going to bed later because you can't get the homework done. You, you, you work on the efficiencies, of course. You, but having said that, there is a spectrum People, some people can get on the snap and the others can't. And that's what you have to work with what's in front of you a little bit. So I guess just in bringing up school, what, and you, and you mentioned earlier that, that these things don't happen quickly. So what is the, the recommendation or suggestions how you get kids back to a school schedule after the summer? In terms you, of have, you really do have to be thinking about it over a week, 10 days beforehand. You really do have to take a week, 10 days beforehand. Um, now, the um, so uh, so it, it has to be gradual. So, for example, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. So I think for a week beforehand, you have to be getting roughly to a school schedule and, and at least be 70% there by the time you get, you know, so I would work on it over the previous week. Um, now, um, the, uh, you're helped a little bit, honestly, you're helped a little bit because nothing much happens the first couple of weeks of school. So even if they're non-functional, uh, they're okay. Uh, they're okay. So it's um, 
but yes, you should be trying the first week getting back. Going back, say, for example, for a third semester of school, different ballgame, you know, say, for example, you have a long vacation. Even if you're off for a week there, I would trade close to um, a school schedule as you can. And particularly if you're a junior, senior, well, junior in high school, the grade matters. So you, we see a lot of this at that stage. We, we tell parents to be very focused on, you know, April vacation. Don't uh, I know you want to go to Cancun and a whole lot, but but uh, keep the schedule while you're there. And so you, you have to be a little careful there. So we do focus on that a lot. Yeah, and that brings me to the number one question that we always ask. Uh, we always ask you, what grade are you in, and how are you doing in school? We don't never ask you, do you snore? Mm-hmm. I have insomnia. The first question we ask, yeah, and everyone thinks we're being chatty. Uh, we are, but we're trying to see how you're performing during the day, and then we we understand the extent of the problem. Um, if you're one of these people um, that can live on four hours sleep, uh, then that's wonderful. But most of us are not that way. Most of us are not. we're trying to figure out how people do during the day, um, and then also we also ask, uh, what school are you in? So as to get ideas that really, you know, you some of these kids are very competitive private schools so you have to understand that too you also it's it's good to know we also ask is um, we also try to get an understanding where they're immigrant families and that that's important too to understand how they're doing in school because of language barriers how recently was the immigration we do tend to understand that so what one other thing uh is you mentioned anxiety quite a bit but um as a shrink, um, as a child shrink, uh, we often see sleep problems with depression, with anxiety, with PTSD, um, with OCD, um, uh, with ADHD. I mean, there are a number of psychiatric disorders that can cause sleep problems. Um, uh, how, how do you how do you manage that? I mean, besides sending them to us. Yeah. Well, well, no. The the um, what we try to do is um, we try to dissociate. You know, we say which call it each one helps each other. So, say for the most common thing we see in in those groups of diagnosis is insomnia. Uh, is insomnia, and um, and dealing with insomnia first is a really uh, one uh, is how we deal with insomnia. Insomnia things that we do about insomnia are. And behavioral cognitive therapy is just to get them. And basic what is behavioral cognitive therapy? It is in many ways just to get you to calm down, calm your mind before we get into a routine. So we set a schedule, set a routine, and not infrequently we give people melatonin and put lights on in the morning. And and with those sort of interventions, you're ninety percent good. And now we do have, a, you know, so basically those are the concept schedule. Uh, number one, set the schedule. Number one, um, and the next thing is to calm your mind down, no matter how you do it. Uh, then melatonin, then lights in the morning. Now, the reason why we do mel- we do low, we do we don't do high dose melatonin. We do low dose melatonin, the same type of melatonin that's used for you know if you're um, you you travel overseas with foreign travel. We use the same sort of dose that we use for. Uh, pilots and so on. Uh, but the, for, for an adult, it, it's going to be in the 0.5 milligram range. So it's really low. It's really low. Not what people expect. 
and when you said setting the schedule, is what has the biggest impact on kind of resetting the sleep? Is it the wake time or the time that you go to bed, or is, does it matter? What well, it, it this is what this is what we we tend to do. Um, just say just say I need eight hours sleep, and um, and now say for example I do this. I say I go to bed. I make it easy so the calculation's easy. So. Uh, and um, I go to bed at 8 p.m. and um, and I get up at 4 a.m. just for argument's sake, which I don't do. But the um, but no, just just for the argument, because four and four is that. Now what I could do is this. Uh, so you have to set the start time. Now a lot of people wake up in the middle of the night and trash and trash around, and then they feel tired and will not get up at 4 a.m. So they are asleep. So they'll stay to bed till nine o'clock. That's not a good idea. So you should say this, all right, I'm going to go to bed at eight o'clock and I get eight hours sleep by 4 a.m., right? So then you said, well, even if I didn't get my sleep, I get up, okay? So that prepares the mind. So what that does is it gives you sleep appetite for the next night. So now when we want to go to sleep, your brain said, I now I want to go to night. So we say, all right, you're not going to go back to bed until... 8 p.m. Just say I'm using me as an example here. So I go to bed at 8 p.m. and um, and then, uh, which called I'm more likely to fall asleep because I've got sleep hunger and I didn't sleep well the night before, and I'm more likely to sleep through the night. And you keep doing this and you keep doing this. Now you just set the habit that sort of way, sort of which called the sleep hunger. Now and, then, and the purpose of that is. Um, um, people get out of a bad habit and they sleep a bit, wake up, sleep a bit, wake up, sleep, wake up. And we see this a lot. So consolidate sleep and consolidate sleep and um, get up when your time is to get up. For example, I want to sleep in Sunday and I don't get up till 11 o'clock. Okay. And then I can't sleep that night. I can't sleep that night. And it's that's the schedule because I don't have sleep hunger. So if you're getting up late, Get up an hour later is the, is the trick. And otherwise, you catch yourself on the other end. And that's why Monday is so terrible for most of us. Monday is so terrible for most of us because we shift it a little bit. And then Monday morning, we say, oh, my God, I feel terrible. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we're going to have to wrap up in a minute. But before we do, I don't want to forget um, the little the little ones uh, when it comes to their challenges. So what about infants and toddlers? I mean, um, uh, being a grandfather with two infants, um, I know my, my kids are always kind of uh, struggling to help them get to sleep. What, what, what are some of the challenges uh, or tips for uh, parents with, 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 with infants uh, and toddlers? How much of it is separation anxiety? How much of it is, is um, differences just between the little ones and, and the teenagers? Honestly, um, the babies, it's all about setting rules. It's all about setting rules and firm the rules, the better it works. You know, um, now, for example, particularly the little ones, it's very hard to enforce the rules uh, without community enforcement uh, because the baby's crying. We have to pick them up. You know, that is very hard. It's very hard as a parent to resist the cry of a child. So when a child cries, I don't want to go to bed. And that's the big issue. That's the big issue. So what you have to do is it's about setting rules. 
you go to bed, uh, you have a routine and go to bed at a certain time. So that's the most important thing that you can do. Now, um, some kids, you know, you, 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 it was really, really interesting. You do not see uh, sleep problems in large families. You just don't. Um, now, when mother, when a mother walks in and tells us she has five kids and it's got a sleep problem, we say, oh, yeah, you definitely have a sleep problem. That's automatic selection uh, for a sleep problem. It's mainly because we don't set the rules. And, you know, and you say a mom of five, oh, my God, she knows how to get babies to sleep. Well, there is a real problem here. Now, the other thing that we do see, and I just wanted to point this out a little bit here, is what we see in the modern diet a little bit is... Um, so most of it's behavioral. And then the second most common cause, believe it or not, is iron deficiency. Mm -hmm. And what iron deficiency gives, it gives you a variation of what we call restless leg and out. You have to move all the time and kick all night. And how you know that a child is having, uh, so they won't go to sleep because they have to move all night. They have to move all the time and they feel creepy crawlies, but they can't tell you they feel creepy crawlies. And all night when you go in and find them in the morning, their sheets are in a knot. And the most common cause of that by far in pediatrics is iron deficiency and you have to measure a ferritin level. And if you find iron deficiency, that can be that can be revolutionary for the family. You might find the most gracious family in the world uh, because their baby starts to sleep again and their baby starts to sleep again. But that's more common. And now mainly because of um, you know lack of meat in the diet. Uh, less fortified um, iron products because people are worried about constipation. So, and and certain um, and certain people from certain backgrounds don't absorb iron well. They just don't. And um, so, at this moment in time, just based on the level, we could see that thirty percent of the population is iron deficient. So we we do look for it. So if we have a restless child, and um, the gene question is uh, rules and check for iron. Check the ferritin level. Those are the general things. Is what we recommend. So um, it's just about wow. time for us to. It was Khadija. Were you going to say something? No, I'm just saying. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. So you measure fer. So is that going to be it's in pediatric practice? Is that is in, get, no? Get, they don't do it. They don't do it in practice. And I can give you the magic number. If it's less than fifty, you have to treat. Then I'm happy <laughs> to share it. It's known by every sleep doctor, but it's not known by every. Uh, um, and you find these kids who have to move around all the time and can't sleep and you're trying behavioral therapy, which really means what you call, you put them down and, um, and they call it extinction. And, um, you might be, for, as I say, you might be doing that with the cows come home, but if you're iron deficient. So we always check first because, um, and because once the babies start rest, it just makes their mind irritable. Um, I don't know why, but it's a minor. So, so very, very common practice. Besides the besides the genetic uh, folks that can't absorb the iron, uh, what is it about a diet? I mean, if you eat your fruits and vegetables, and and your, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I know spinach is not a good source of iron because you can't mm -hmm. absorb it. But 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 what what in the diet would you recommend for 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 parents out there? Well, the fruits and vegetables are good, but they're uh, they're actually not rich in iron. Uh, they're not rich in iron. The healthy, which call that that healthy diet, is not rich in iron. To be honest, uh, it's um, it, it really does come down to meats in some ways, uh, in meats in some ways, in some form of meat. Uh, we have this negotiation all the time with um, vegetarians, 
who can't sleep. It's a real, um, it's a real issue. We talk to vegetarians all the time about this. So it is, it's, it's mainly the meat type, um, and not all vegetables are equal. Not all that. You say spinach is not. Uh, spinach is not. And um, so yeah. So we do give a lot of iron. We do. That's, we that's do interesting. So 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 because we see it a lot uh, with with folks that come in who are not eating meat, who are eating lots of fruits and vegetables, and believe that yeah. they're giving their kids a healthy diet. Uh, yeah. And do you recommend vitamins that are supplemented with iron? We do. We actually do. We actually recommend all. The vitamin companies have been very um, prospective on this to give them really good credit, you know, which call if you have uh, iron with vitamin C, it's more likely to be absorbed. And you know that our parents gave us orange juice in the morning. They were right. Uh, they were absolutely right. And, you know, um, they were absolutely right. So so it's the vitamin C combined with it. So you can get away with very low doses of iron, like which call one iron gummy a day can be quite good. And he also combined them the, uh, with selenium and some of these metals. And he wondered why. Well, the reason why they do it is because they, which it helps with sleep and irritability. It's actually worth it. go down through CVS or Walgreens and look at what's in the vitamins. And, um, and you see they, they, they've been very much prospective about it. They have figured it out. They have figured it out. Now, we do this, you know, uh, we see this problem. You know, we have people who are super athletes, right? And um, and they're vegetarians or vegan, and the problem is there is no iron in the diet, so you can't deliver the oxygen. You know, so it's you know it's not alone oxygen. Everyone says my hemoglobin's fine. Hemoglobin may be fine, but your muscle storage is not fine. So um, so you end up having to take a more broad spectrum look. And so yes, we do give out vitamins, and we're a big believer in vitamins. Cool. So, um, uh, uh, is there anything else to mention before we wrap up? Not, nothing much. Uh, nothing much. Uh, other than we're all feel good to be going back to be normal. <laughs> so uh, that brings that, that brings us to the close, and and and, mm-hmm. and and we like to close by talking about what what in the news stood out this week, especially as it relates to young people. What what, what stood out to you, Bernard? I I have to well I'll tell you my kids are in their twenties and uh, and what stood out to them is opening and uh, and what also stood out to them was they could get vaccinated and um, and I think I think kids are better than us adults at getting the vaccine and I asked my kids why did you want to get vaccine. And he told me because I wanted my life back, and it might be. And honestly, it might be the best answer. It might be the best answer. I want my life back, and I think when uh, and I think I think teenagers will have incredible uptake of the vaccine. So I think it's very important news to speak. Teenagers can be vaccinated, and we're opening up, and we can get our life back uh, a little bit. And so, and we can have summer. How is that? That's great. And, and Khadija, how about you? Well, to that point. 12-year-olds are being able to be vaccinated. So I signed my son up. He got his first dose yesterday. So I'm super excited. Um, so that was something that really got me moving this week. And the news. Anything on your end, Jane? 
Uh, well, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing that, that we're opening up and, and, um, and that we can actually, um, uh, go outside without masks. I mean, that's, and breathe, breathe the air again. It's just been so refreshing. <laughs> you know, I never, I never missed air as much. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's kind of been, been, been similar to me. Well, um, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Bernard, for your wisdom. Uh, I always learn stuff when I when I talk with you. Um, and uh, I hope everyone has a great summer. Uh, and uh, uh, if you have any questions, comments, please let us know. Uh, we hope that our conversation will help you have yours. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Elizabeth Watkins. Sleepwalkers, sleep talkers, uh, we don't see very much of those because pediatrician deals with those and deals with those. So we don't we don't see those. We wish we saw more of those because they're so wonderful to see.